How is everyone doing? Good. It sounds like I have more energy and there's more of you guys. How's everyone doing? Good. Okay. You still didn't match me, but it's okay. I forgive you. Love holds no records of wrongs. <laughs> I have been here all day and honestly, I love this community. Yeah, thank you so much um, to the whole St. B's team for inviting me. And it's honestly such a privilege to just hear um, what God is doing in this place. So who was here this morning? Awesome. Okay, so the majority of us weren't here this morning. So I'll introduce myself again. My name is Wale Ekbaje, and I am a massive extrovert. And I'm a massive extrovert with a microphone, so this can be a very dangerous combination. <laughs> and essentially, it means that as an extrovert, I get to, well, I basically make other people do awkward things that I don't necessarily want to do. So I would like us to do something really quickly. So if you could turn to the person next to you and just ask them for their middle name. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So how many people were surprised by the person's middle name? How many people were surprised? It wasn't surprised. Vicar Henry, what's your middle name? David. David. Oh, amazing. Mine too. Yeah. Well, I actually want to, should I say my whole, my whole name? So I'm Nigerian, so we have quite a few. Okay, so my full name is Adewale, David, Oluwa Damilare, Oluwa Tosin, Adeniyi, Imeka Agbaje. So that's my whole name, yeah. So in, in the Nigerian culture, every name is a blessing and declaration over my life. So yeah, my parents really wanted to speak over my life and my grandparents. So I thank God for them. And yes, um, as you could have imagined, I grew up in a Nigerian household. And my parents are amazing and they are Nigerian and Pentecostal, which is a very dangerous combination. So sometimes when they used to speak to me, it literally used to sound like the voice of the Lord. And um, I used to, I remember being a teenager and there's some things I really wanted to do. There's some things I wanted to try out. And I would ask my mum and my dad and I will say, oh, mum, um, could I do this? And my parents would immediately be like, no. And my next line was, oh, but Chris and Matt get to do this. And could you imagine what my mum said to me next? Anyone wants to guess? You don't care? Close, close. My mum used to say these epic words that I believe that parents have been saying from God knows when. She used to say, just because they do it doesn't mean that you must do it as well. And my mum used to go, um, she also used to add an analogy with this. She, she also used to say, if Chris jumped off a cliff, would you now jump off a cliff with him? And I'm like, no, mum. And then she'll go on to say, if Chris jumped into a busy road, would you now go and jump off? Would you now go into that busy road and kill yourself? I was like, no, mum. And then she'll add a third one. And she said, if Chris, I'm like, okay, mum, I get it. It's okay. I'm sorry I asked in the first place. And I'm a bit of a geek, you know, I'm just a tiny bit that it doesn't freak people out, but just a bit to show that, okay, there's something a bit weird about that guy. But essentially, um, something that I really love to geek out, I really like to um, look at culture and I love to see how culture is evolving. So last year, I read an article about what are some of the social norms that are present nowadays as millennials and Generation Z versus perhaps my parents' generation um, who were born in the 1960s and the 1970s. 
And something I realised that um, that's a social norm in particular for Generation Z and millennials is that this article said a new social norm is um, posting nudes or sending nudes and or perhaps um, posting soft porn on Instagram. And this is a social norm. This is something that's normal in everyday um, society nowadays, especially in the Western world. And when I read this, it basically kind of made me think of um, what my mum used to say to me. When my mum said those words, just because everyone else is doing it, should you do it as well? And I believe it even relates to us as Christians. Like the world has its own way of navigating life, navigating faith and spirituality, navigating sex and relationship, navigating brokenness. And my question to us today is that just because the world does it in a particular way, do we need to follow as well? And in our church, um, we had a series called Game Changer. And essentially, a game changer is someone who basically comes and changes the game upside down. So, for example, I'm a basketballer. I was a basketballer back in the day, and I really used to look up to Michael Jordan. And especially Michael Jordan was a game changer because his team could be losing. And when you get Michael Jordan onto the team, all of a sudden he flips the game and he scores so many points. And if we look in scripture, we can see that Jesus was the ultimate game changer. When it looked like we were going to be taken out by sin, when it looked like our sin and our nature was too, was too sinful and was too evil in order for us to be reconciled with God, Jesus came in in order for us so we can actually have a relationship with God the Father once again. And another example is David. David was a game changer. Something that the Lord revealed to me is that he said to me, in order for someone to shift culture, he brings someone else that's not defined by the culture. I'll say that one more time. In order for God to shift culture, he brings someone else that's not defined by that culture. And with David in particular, if you look at the story of David and Goliath, I find it so amazing that out of all of the Israelites there that were there in battle, that God had to use someone who was not even in the same area. David was literally tending the sheep. But the thing that was so special about David is that he wasn't um, dictated by the culture of fear that all the other Israelites had. He was someone who literally said, I killed the lion and the bear, and I trust that God will, will enable me to defeat this, um, this um, uncircumcised Philistine. And like again, like what I said again, the Lord used someone who was not defined by that culture to transform culture. And the thing is, even as Christians, you know, quite often we say that, God, I want you to use me. I want you, use, I want you to use me to transform my um, family, to transform my community, to transform this society and even my nation. But the thing is, because of sometimes our addiction to Instagram, our addiction to Snapchat, Twitter, Netflix, the music of today, or perhaps the soaps of today, that the very thing that's in us doesn't, it's not too dissimilar from the culture around us. And as a result, even though we're believers, even though some of us are Christians here in this room, we actually do not see a culture shift. But quite often what we see is that our lives, if we're to reflect on our lives, we've actually not become culture shifters, but we've become cultures accommodators. And there's actually a scripture that relates to this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And that's what the Bible is saying. It's saying that we are the salt of the earth. And when I think of that particular scripture, it reminds me of how much I hate unseasoned food. <laughs> and has anyone been to New Wine? So you know my struggle. And um, in New Wine, I have the privilege of serving on team. And I don't know, this is recorded, but I'm still going to say it anyway. I have the privilege of serving on team, but, you know, sometimes the food is not as seasoned and stuff. And we all know um, the blessing of seasoning. We know how tasty um, our food is when food is seasoned. And it's the same thing with life, that we are supposed to be, as believers, seasoning to this earth. You know, the Bible says that we are anointed, I'm just going to read it out, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. So that means that we are supposed to be people who bring heaven's culture here on earth. We are supposed to be people who will deliver our world and to bring and healing and purity to our world. And the reason why I'm talking like this tonight is because I really believe that God wants to equip his believers to actually shift cultures in their local context. Where he says that I actually don't want you to just be people who just accommodate, but I actually want you to be people who carry my spirit in purity and actually transform the world around you. And this reminds me of Daniel, Daniel Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the perfect people who should have accommodated to their culture. Because first of all, they were actually taken from their people group. They were Jewish and they believed in one God. But, Jer uh, but Jerusalem, um, their city, was overturned by the Babylonians who believed in several gods and idols. And Daniel and his friends were chosen because of their physical health, their looks, intellects to serve in the king's palace. And in an attempt to actually break down the inner Jewish culture inside of them, this is what the Babylonians did. They taught them the Babylonian language and literature. The king assigned to them a special meal daily, and their names were changed from their Jewish name to Babylonian names. So imagine Daniel was called Belteshah, Haniah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But I love in particular, in, in the book of Daniel, this is what it says. So if we all turn to verse, um, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And when you're there, say amen. I grew up in the Pentecostal church, so you guys got to work with me tonight. Amen. amen. Anyone else there? Amen. Okay, I'll wait a bit longer. <laughs> amen. Oh, come on, guys. Amen. <laughs> awesome. So it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. So imagine, so um, the king's official actually gave Daniel um, and his friends a strict diet and said, this is what you ought to eat. But the Bible says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king will then say, then the king will then have my head because of you. 
And this is what culture actually believes. Culture believes that if you don't follow the way we do things, you will look worse off. It says that if you walk in integrity, you'll get trampled on and you'll fall behind. It echoes that if you walk in purity, then you won't have as much fun. And if you trust in God, you'll end up deluded and, and you'll end up disappointed. But the reality is, this is actually a lie. And, it actually, and these lies have been streaming through society, where even us as Christians have actually accommodated to these lies. And the Bible actually says that the devil himself is the father of all lies. It goes on to say when he lies, he's speaking his native tongue. And let's go to verse 11. We can actually see the response that actually happened when Daniel decided, I won't defile myself and I won't adhere to the culture of that present day. It says, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this test and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters, and the whole kingdom." So the Bible says that he found them 10 times better. And um, I was, when I was reading this earlier, I was reminded of a personal story of mine. So when I was in university, um, I did a typical university um, thing you do when you're in first year. And I basically, I had a really big raving culture. And honestly, I loved Jesus. I was a Christian. I, w- I would attend um, church every single Sunday. And over time, the Lord started speaking to me and actually started convicting me. And he actually told me explicitly, I know it's different for different people, but the Lord told me explicitly that, well, I don't want you to stop raving. And at first I was like, God, but why? It's not like I'm doing anything bad. But he said, I want you to stop because I need you to consecrate your heart. I need you to hear me afresh. I need you to hear me clearly. And unfortunately, because of the environment I was, it was actually affecting my own personal relationship with God. And I remember when I actually said, okay, I'm going to cut this out of my life. And over a few months, um, my friends actually said to me, a friend who wasn't a Christian, And he said to me, Wale, something I've noticed about you is that you're mentally free. And I was like, what what do you mean? He was like, now, honestly, everyone, we all talk about it, even in our course, that Wale is mentally free. We can tell by the way you speak, by the way you interact with other people, you're, you're not tormented in your mind. And what was quite alarming is that for him to say that meant that he was even echoing perhaps some situations that's going through his mind. And the thing is, is that when we actually take a step and say that I'm not going to defile myself, it looks like fruit to other people. Where other people start noticing that you walk in such peace of mind, you walk in such healing, you walk in such purity, 
that they start to echo and they start to make a demand for that themselves. And even at university, I was surprised by how many guys came up to me and said, Wale, could you please give me advice? I really want to see that healing in your mind that you have encountered. And there is value when you surrender to Jesus. And the value is this. Peace with yourself and God. A sound mind. Healing mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually. Clarity and defined perspective for the future. Kindness. Self-control. Faith in hardship. Joy in all seasons. An ability to forgive yourself and others. A heart to love. And so much more. And my petition is this, is that there'll be some things um, personally that the Lord, if we were to actually ask him, would say, I need you to let that go. I need you to cut that thing off because I want you to be, in essence, a game changer in your family. I want you to be a game changer in your community where we actually need to transform our culture. And to transform our culture means there needs to be a work inside of us as well. And like, I'll give you another example. So in our men's ministry in church, in, in Imprint, we have something called Haven. And um, it's, a, it's a really great accountability group with several of the guys in our church. And for the guys, they, they made their own personal decision. And they said, we're going to be really careful in terms, of what, in terms of what we watch on Netflix, for example, and just different forms of media. And the reason they said this is because they come from households of broken relationships. And they said that we need to be careful what we're watching and what we're feeding ourselves because we don't want to echo what we've seen in the past. And the reality is that if you think of um, how much time you actually spend um, with the world's culture, with different things actually um, attacking the, the culture of heaven compared to when we're actually in church. So, for example, most of us will be in church a week, um, one hour and 30 minutes. But if you compare that to the time that you're actually perhaps um, it, adhering and listening to other things that actually are trying to pull out your faith, then we can just see the parallel towards it. There's only going to be one that will have a greater demand on who you're spiritually formed into. And that's why the guys and some of the guys in my community said that for us, we're going to make a, a demand and we're going to take a step to actually cut these things off. And for one person in particular, they said, I want to be a game changer in my family. My family has a, a, whole, a whole list of broken relationships. And he said, I want to be a person that redeems my family's last name. That God, will you use me to make a new legacy? And that's what it looks like. In order to make a new legacy, there needs to be a redefining of culture within us. And another thing that I would just like to address before I close is that for some of us, especially when it means that we're not going to adhere to the world's culture, it means perhaps that there's some things that would tempt us to actually bow down to the world's culture. And I remember um, something that happened in our community where, for some reason, we, was, we weren't hearing a lot of stories of a lot of evangelistic testimonies anymore, or we weren't hearing people um, taking bold steps in their faith anymore. And I basically started asking some people, like, um, like what happened and stuff like, like, is, is everything okay? And they essentially said, because of all the things they're seeing in terms of media, in terms of how the church is dying and how um, 
people are being persecuted, they said that they're fearful of sharing their faith or perhaps um, sharing, um, just doing good acts um, in the name of Jesus because it could actually lead to persecution. And it was this unhealthy fear. And it also reminded me of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when in their particular time there was a Babylonian statue and when the music played, they said, when everyone hears this music, you must bow down to this statue. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who believed in God Almighty, said, we will not bow down to this idol. We will not bow down to this culture's idol. And as a result, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But I love what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said. They essentially said that God is able to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, I want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to you. So I remember putting out that challenge to, to my community, where if I'm being honest, it got to a point because of what's happening in media, because of what we're hearing in the world. I can't preach that if you follow Jesus, you won't be persecuted some way. That would not be right. That would not be true. But what I did say is that is this a faith that you're willing to be persecuted for? That even in the midst of persecution, even if the Lord does not deliver you, will you still stand and say, I will not bow down for you? And I had to ask that question. And the thing is, the fruit of that was that so many people were like, you know what, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus. And we started hearing those stories again where people took those risks, took those steps and said, I'm actually going to share my faith with my work colleagues. I'm actually going to try again with that family member. I'm actually going to do these things again because I believe that this is a faith that I'm willing to even die for. In this Western culture, perhaps that might not even be the case, especially in this time. But the reality is there's so many people around the world who are dying for this faith. So I'll ask that question again. Is this something that you're willing to be persecuted for? And do you want the Lord to use you to, def- to redefine culture? Or perhaps are we happy to just accommodate to it? And I'd like us to stand up. And let's close our eyes. Yeah, if we just close our eyes. And this is going to be quite personal um, to all of us. But if you feel like there's perhaps something that the Lord is just speaking to you about, um, saying that I need you to let this thing go in order for me to just continue to use you in this particular way, then I'd love you to just put your hand up and we're just going to say a prayer together. I just sense there's a few more of us. Yeah, if you just put your hands in front of you and we're going to say a prayer together. Yeah. Your Holy Spirit, we thank you that you convict us, not because you're angry at us, but you convict us because you care for us and you want to partner with us. So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask you to just speak to us afresh in the name of Jesus. And I pray you forgive us for where perhaps we have accommodated 
to what our friends have said, to what our families have said, to what media has said. And Father, Lord, we want to put you first in all ways. We want to hear your culture. We want to hear what you have to say. And we want you to use us to be a catalyst in this nation, to be a catalyst in our community. We want you to use us to bring healing and deliverance. And I pray for those who just have their hands up. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just give them a fresh anointing. Fill them up again. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill them up again. Yeah, we're just going to give a bit of time to this. Yeah, I really sense that that God is not convicting us because he's angry. I'm really just, I'm just hearing that clearly. Yeah. So come, Lord, we let you in. We bring our mess to you, God. We bring our mess to you. We even bring our sin to you because you're able to forgive it. You're able to forgive it. You are ready to restore the repentant one.